Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Boston is Matt McKella. Matt is the CEO of Life Image, and we're going to be talking about patient access to imaging data. Uh, Matt, first, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Well, thank you, Adam. Appreciate the opportunity. Oh, our pleasure, too. Now, from my understanding, there's some new imaging interoperability requirements. Um, what are they and what should provider systems do to comply with the new rules? Okay. Uh, new rules, which have been promulgated by the Office of the National Coordinator for Health Information, otherwise known as the ONC, right, issued some new rules this year that defined uh, really eight standard data elements that need to be included. That's called the U.S. Core Data for interoperability, right? So these rules basically mandate that a set of information that include things like pathology reports and diagnostic imaging issues asked about and the corresponding narrative lab, et cetera, um, have to be made available upon request to patients and other providers here and that it must be done in a way that uses uh, industry standard kind of uh, APIs, which they call application program interfaces, but they're basically technical standards that um, that uh, all organizations must meet that will increase access to this information. And so uh, this is the first time really that imaging data uh, is uh, really included in required data sets. And that's important because imaging has historically been the most kind of non-interoperable, very hard to access type of medical data. And it's really materially and clinically significant for a uh, wide range of uh, you know, medical uh, treatments and uh, diagnosis. Um, this is really, these new rules are really driving, you know, a cultural shift at the practice level, uh, whether you're small providers or working very large hospital systems to include, right, imaging and other complex types of clinical data uh, along with the patient's uh, history. And so there's a wide range of activities that providers have to do uh, working with their technology vendors to make sure that they're ultimately in compliance uh, with these new rules and these uh, new standards coming up to be available here uh, in uh, uh, this uh, current year. So obviously organizations are going to have to comply with these rules, but you know why, why is it so important in general for patients to have complete ownership and control of this data? So uh, I think what uh, patients have always known and providers have been very slow Right, to acknowledge here is that uh, increasing patient you know, data access really empowers patients and gives them better control of their health experience uh, here. So whether it's a patient who has to physically travel to an office to get a, a CD of their uh, x-ray or an MRI so that they could then go on to meet with a specialist to review, or it's patients that are prescribed drugs where, the, um, where they've got uh, uh, contraindications and the drugs uh, interact together in negative ways, where if you don't have access to that information, you can uh, really be harmed uh, here. And so patients understand this, uh, and now these rules really start to enforce that uh, across the board. And there's you know, been studies done, right? One that I point to all the time is a study that was done uh, recently by UT you know, Austin that um, recognized that when you give patients access to their medical information, that had resulted in a 28% reduction in hospital visits, a 10% reduction reduction in readmission risk, substantial cost savings because of these decreased hospital you know, visits here, uh, and better compliance by pa patients with treatment plans you know, and uh, protocol. 
And so I think what the industry is really recognizing is that when you can get to interoperability and giving patients access to their own data, this is going to really curb and reduce duplicative imaging and testing, which costs the system and the patient and insurance companies, you know, precious time, you know, and money. And in, you know, episodes where you have something like COVID, you know, occurring uh, here, uh, you know, providers on their own don't want to be handling, you know, physical media, uh, given the risk of infection. And so the historical way of patients going into hospitals to get medical imaging on CDs exposes the patient, exposes the provider, exposes everyone along the way with really unnecessary risks that interoperability can resolve. And we've certainly seen people being much more hesitant to go to doctor's offices to begin with, with a lot of adverse uh, medical consequences because of it. Now, speaking, you, you talked about the UT study. Um, you did a survey yourselves recently on imaging data sharing. Uh, what were some of the highlights from that research? So earlier this year, we um, we uh, did a study on, with uh, 1,400 or 1,300 patients, you know, on imaging, and what uh, we found was actually. You know, quite striking, right? We found that um, more than or approximately 40% of patients in order to acquire their imaging had to physically go into their provider's office and they had to submit, you know, paper requests for those medical records, right? That, you know, of those requests, right, more than 41% had to go physically and pick up those records then as a second event uh, and pick those up in person. 24% um, of the time, the records could be sent to another provider, but then not given ultimately to the patient. And what we found was that really in the high teens, but less than 20% of records were ultimately delivered through some kind of electronic means, even though a, a great number of patients, 66% of them have access right to a patient portal. We found only roughly 13% of them actually use the portal itself in order to acquire their information. So, um, you know, I guess another piece that was striking for us is that when those patients who physically had to go, had to fill out forms, had to go a second time, got their records, 40% of them or so had to receive them on a physical CD. And shockingly for imaging, uh, almost a quarter, 25% of the patients actually received their records on physical film itself. Now, wow. all, of this is, all of this is unnecessary, right? Companies like Life Image have been you know, digitally transferring, exchanging, and providing access to medical imaging for, you know, 13 years now. This is, uh, this is available, widely available technology, and it's being used by hundreds of thousands of providers a day, you know, in the U.S., but nevertheless, uh, patients have not been involved and engaged here and are, you know, have historically been forced to jump through all of these hoops, uh, which really degrades, degrades the care and increases the cost for everyone here. So, those are the kinds of things that, uh, with the support of uh, the ONC, uh, the rules and future compliance efforts, uh, we hope to uh, eliminate for the betterment of the system and patients themselves. Now, we've talked a lot about sort of the arcane older systems that in use, and we've talked about how that's had a unfortunate nexus with COVID and people's hesitancy to want to either come into medical providers or anyone's you know, desire not to have to actually handle physical media. Um, how can hospitals and health systems prepare for the new normal post-COVID? Understood. So COVID, right, if you if you look back, right, it's several years the government through the uh, ONC has been uh, promulgating, right, these new rules uh, coming into effect. They've been slightly delayed, right, for implementation because of COVID, 
but nevertheless are going to be implemented and uh, there will be compliance and enforcement on the back end of this for providers and technology vendors that don't comply with making the standard data set available in an interoperative, interoperable standard way. But what COVID-19 COVID really did is it, uh, I think, provided a wide range of examples to a wide range of people that uh, healthcare has really taken far too long to advance and digitize and virtualize care you know, um, there was a study or data re reported by the CDC a few months ago when we had roughly about 123, 124,000 uh, COVID-19 cases were reported. And of that group at that time, right, less than 6% of patients upon presentation and diagnosis for COVID had data available, right, pertaining to any of their medical history or underlying health conditions and risk factors. So patients are literally going out into the wilderness being treated and evaluated and treated for a disease that we know has a wide range of systematic impacts where patients with pre-existing medical conditions are tremendously more at risk and exposed and they're being and they're being treated you know in ways where all that information is completely unavailable right um, terrible terrible quality care and I think across the system people recognize the risk with that which means right that which is interesting that the industry is now starting to embrace not just because of the government rules, but because of this experience they've had uh, in COVID, that um, interoperability and access to medical information is essential for everyone. Um, so when we talk about uh, providers and what they should do next, they should work with uh, partners that they understand that, that they know, partners that have an established track record in uh, focusing on interoperability, not just in this current period, but uh, here over time. Uh, do your homework on your vendors. Uh, and recognize that uh, it is a partnership working with your technology providers where you've got to be clear with what you're trying to accomplish so that they can provide for you the solutions that ultimately optimize your experience. Well, it's I think going to be a, an interesting time when this o is over to see what sticks, what changes. Um, uh -huh. And also as people realize, you know, how much more data we actually need, you know, as you mentioned, COVID is a very complex disease. Uh, it's having a lot of impacts. There seem to be a lot of factors which affect who gets it and how badly. And the more data there is available, the better able, you know, both physicians and other medical practitioners will be to treat it and as well patients be able to walk in the door and be able to red flag things. Before we close the net, I'll comment on yeah. that, right? Because I believe you're completely right. Uh, but uh, there really is no end. To the types of data that is required to solve these type these complex medical problems right uh, it, we talk about big data uh, we talk about all sorts of medical data we think about a COVID it's perfectly fine but you know um, what we find is that accessing data such as the temperature that uh, people uh, keep their homes at which can be measured now through uh, digital means uh, and put to the cloud is actually an important piece of healthcare data that can influence how you would diagnose or treat someone for, that has asthma, as an example, or respiratory issues. So when it comes up to talk about data in another time, perhaps we could, when we've got more time, we could talk about this more deeply um, with the com computational power that exists uh, here uh, in this century. Um, the more data we have about our life experiences broadly will help us influence how we diagnose and how we treat these medical conditions as science and AI becomes far more sophisticated.
Wow, it's, it's fascinating. I will certainly take family thermostat battles to a new level. <laughs> uh, well, Matt, thanks for sharing your perspectives with us. I want to thank all of you for listening. I'm Adam Turtletaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we were able to expand your compliance perspective.